immediately after he did that, this beam of light came out of the bottom of this thing and it came right for our canoe. They had larger eyes than ours, smaller nose, a smaller mouth, no protruding part of the ear and no head. Don't look back, don't look, don't look. And it was tall, about seven, eight foot tall, and black, real hairy, like a gorilla. And uh, the one that came out of the woods joined the circle and they were all like dancing around. And there were these beams, they were human shape, but they weren't human. There always is the mystery. Uh -uh. The thing we don't know, as Vandeleu put it, the mystery of life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I want you to think of this as your virtual campfire. This is a place where people from all walks of life can come together and share their personal encounters with the unknown without fear of judgment or ridicule. I'm your host, Sean Phillips, and you're listening to Firelight Vibes. Once again, welcome everyone to the show. This is our first episode ever of Firelight Vibes. Before I begin, I want to take a few minutes to explain what the typical structure of this podcast will be. Typically, it's going to be a one-on-one interview style show with a guest who's experienced really anything paranormal or metaphysical. I'm interested in everything, so cryptids, near-death experiences, time slips, whatever it is, I'm open to covering it. I want the atmosphere of the show to be the same as when you're sitting around the campfire as a child, and out of nowhere, someone decides to share their personal encounter with the unknown. I remember those moments so well when everything would go quiet except for the crackling fire, and you're free to just stare into the glow of the embers and really get sucked into the experience. That's really the whole theme of the show. To boil it down, it's a one-on-one interview-style podcast with a 90s flair. And that's just to harken back to my good old days running around my neighborhood with my friends pretending to be Hulk Hogan or one of the Ninja Turtles or starting a new Ninja Club. I don't know, maybe you can relate. Today, however, I'll be doing something a little bit different. Since this is the first episode of Firelight Vibes, I thought I'd take some time to introduce myself as well as share some of my own paranormal experiences. I'm lucky enough or unlucky enough, depending on how you see it, to have had quite a few brushes with the unknown in the past. But today I'm going to focus on the two that really stand out above the rest. The two that sparked my interest in the paranormal in the first place and really the strangeness of life itself. And what's weird is I really haven't told many people these stories, uh, only those closest to me. There's something deeply personal about these sort of experiences, and it's not that you're embarrassed to share them. I mean, there is always that little voice in your head that wonders if they're going to think you're crazy, but it's more that retelling the story just doesn't do the encounter justice. Things like even the fear that I personally experienced, it's hard for me to articulate it in really any meaningful way as far as it pertains to the encounter. But having said that, how can I ask people to come on the show and share their encounters if I'm not willing to do so myself? Um, I guess this podcast is kind of my way of coming out of the paranormal closet. But enough chit-chat, it is finally time to get started. So, without further ado, get comfy, grab a snack, and let's get into the glow. So my brush with the paranormal goes way back before I can even remember actually, and I'll explain that in a bit. I grew up in a loving family with two brothers and a sister. It was a Christian upbringing. Um, Both my grandpas were pastors, 
And like I mentioned before in the intro, I had an amazing childhood and I, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I, I don't know if you can tell, but everything basically surrounding the show is centered around my nostalgia for the 90s. So I had an amazing childhood. To get started, I guess my encounter happened when I was around two years old. I don't remember much about it, but I've since been told the whole story by my parents. So what started happening was my mom started noticing that I was talking to myself at night. And I think she just assumed, like most parents do, that I had an imaginary friend. I mean, I was two years old, and that just kind of seems to be the thing. That's not uncommon to have an, an imaginary friend. But she started catching me talking to myself at night, and she really didn't think anything about it, but she said that she would peek in and see me sitting up in bed having a conversation basically with the wall, which I don't think is normal childhood behavior, talking to the wall at night. And another strange thing that she noticed was that it wasn't like an imaginary friend where I played with the person throughout the day. It was just at night. Something would come and I would be talking to it just at night as if something was visiting me at night. But again, she just brushed it off as the imaginary friend. It wasn't long, though, before I started talking about someone called Skunk Woman. So Skunk Woman was basically the lady that I said visited me at night. And that's when things kind of took a turn for the worse. And I don't know how she didn't freak out when I said as a two-year-old that I was talking to somebody called Skunk Woman. That would absolutely freak me out as a parent. I mean, what kind of name is that? Skunk Woman? Skunk Woman? So weird. I, I would probably have to jump through the wall if my son came up to me and said he was talking to somebody called Skunk Woman at night. I don't know. Maybe my mom's a little bit tougher than me. But she, again, her and my dad brushed it off just like, you know, any 90s parents would do. Um, they just assumed I have an imaginary friend. I would grow out of it. But it then began to take a darker turn when I started telling my mom that Skunk Woman was actually my real mom and that she loved me more than my mother. So that began to actually freak out my mom. She said that it had actually gotten to where I thought Skunk Woman was my real mom and I thought she was kind of the imposter. So whatever I was talking to at night, whether it was in my head or not, it wasn't good for me. So she knew she had to get something done. She had to fix the problem. So my mom ended up actually digging through my toy box, looking for any toy that might be responsible for Skunk Woman, basically. And also, I want to point out that back in the 90s, I mean, we did not have cable. Uh, some families did. We did not. Um, so there was nothing on television that I was watching that might have given me these weird thoughts or anything like that. But uh, yeah, she dug through my toys. She took all my toys away, all the cool ones. And that still did not work. So out of desperation, my mom ended up having my grandpa come over. And remember, I said my grandpa was a pastor. So he came over along with most of the members of our small church. And they actually prayed over me and they prayed over the house. And that actually seemed to work. Skunk Woman went away. And also, I stopped talking about Skunk Woman and I completely forgot about Skunk Woman. It wasn't until years later that some of the parents that had come to our house to pray ended up telling their kids what had happened. So here I am in Sunday school hearing the story for the first time from my friend that wants to know what Skunk Woman looked like. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember any of that stuff. So that was a weird conversation to bring up to my parents. But they just told me basically what happened, that I had something that whether it was an imaginary friend or not, that was giving me some bad advice as a child. So they prayed and it went away. And that was basically it. So yeah, 
Skunk Woman basically just became a topic that me and my friends would talk about. And, you know, when we'd meet somebody new and we were telling scary stories or something, somebody would inevitably bring up that, hey, Sean has seen this thing called Skunk Woman. And I remember I desperately wanted to remember what she looked like, but I just couldn't recall what she looked like. Uh, No matter how, how hard I tried, nothing would come to mind. I didn't remember anything about it. So yeah, it just kind of became a little bit of a legend between me and my friends. And that was basically it. It really wasn't something that frightened me at night or anything like that. But truth be told, I did have something scaring me at night. I was terrified, actually. So this was at the time I probably would have been maybe five or so uh, when I first heard the skunk woman story from all the kids at church. And what was scaring me at night had nothing to do with skunk woman, actually. I never really even thought about her when I went to bed at night. But I did think about something else. And it's really hard to describe here because even back then I couldn't describe what was scaring me. But every night I had the strange feeling that I was going to be taken. And I was always so worried that they were going to come get me. Now, who are they? I don't know. I, I have no idea. And I didn't know back then either. But I remember that intense fear every night before going to bed that they're going to come get me tonight or they're going to show up. Tonight's the night. It's been a while. And I had no idea where that was coming from. There was no reason for me to be thinking something like that at all. Um, I had no memories of being taken, nothing like that. But every night it never failed. I had that fear. It's actually funny because me and my younger brother, everybody thought we were twins. We looked a lot alike. We were both little blonde headed kids. And I have the specific memories of at night trying to lay exactly how he fell asleep. So in the same position as he was sleeping in hopes that when they came to get me, they would accidentally take him instead. So that was just kind of my childlike way of telling myself that tonight's going to be fine. They'll take my younger brother instead of me, which sounds awful, but I never really had the feeling that they wouldn't return my younger brother. I was always returned. I never, I mean, it was weird because I never remember going anywhere. So the whole situation was just crazy. But crazy or not, I remember every night staying awake and as my brothers fell asleep, I'd lay awake in bed watching the door or watching the window until I finally fell asleep. And that's how it was for a long time. And at the same time, about five years old or so, I also developed a weird fascination with bugs. I remember catching roly-polies in my backyard and not hurting them or anything like that, but just looking at their face, which is weird, but something about their eyes. I was fascinated by the eyes of bugs. And that fascination at night turned to fear. So I was fascinated by bugs during the day, but I was terrified of bugs at night. And my dad had to put up with me a lot of times just asking him to check all the underneath the bed and everything because I was terrified that there was going to be bugs in the room. And I know that I sound like a little scaredy cat at this point, but I promise I wasn't that big of a scaredy cat. It's just these were small times in my life. And like I said before, the fear was kind of unexplained. I, I, I didn't really have anything that I could hold on to that I could say, this is what's scaring me at night. It was all a mystery. And if all of that wasn't bad enough, something else started happening at around the same time. I started sleepwalking. More than once, I woke up standing outside in my front yard under a night sky, not knowing how I got there. And my dad would a lot of times find me out in the front yard or hear me knocking on the door trying to get back in. And it was just strange. It was strange that not only 
did I sleepwalk and go outside, but I had to pass my parents' room and get out the front door without them hearing me in the first place. So, so it was strange that I was able to get out the front door and uh, end up in the front yard. And that was always very unsettling when that would happen. But I would just go to bed and it was, you know, that's what happens when you sleepwalk. You go back to sleep and you wake up the next day and everything's fine. So at this point in my life, I've experienced uh, someone called Skunk Woman that I couldn't remember. I was afraid to go to bed at night because I was afraid of being taken by things that I couldn't remember what they were. I had no idea why I was afraid of them. So I didn't really have a memory of a lot of that stuff that was scaring me. But I do have a memory of one thing in particular. And this sticks with me to this day. I can picture it perfectly in my mind. So I'll go ahead and go into that now. Um, Now remember, I was still very young at this point. And a lot of times at night, I would wake up and like any kid that was five years old or so, I'd run to my parents' bed. And I remember that feeling really well, where you wake up and you realize that your brothers are gone and you're in bed alone and it's dark in the room and you're all by yourself. And uh, so, yeah, my, my parents, by the way, had to put up with three of us in their bed at once for a little bit. But yeah, that run to your parents' room, it's thrilling to say the least. But in our house, I'll go ahead and describe it for you here. When you leave our bedroom, if you look to your right, there's a long hallway. And at the end of the hall, there was a doorway that led out into our backyard. And that door had a window on it. So when you'd run out the door, you made sure not to look to your right because you know that something's going to be looking at you through that window. But once you make it past the window, you have the kitchen to contend with, which you had to actually be careful because there might be a bar stool or something left out. And uh, I did actually once run right into a bar stool and think that somebody got me. But that's another story. After the kitchen, you go through the living room and you're almost there. You're almost to my parents' room. And I remember they would leave their doors open and I would just run as fast as I could, do a Superman jump basically, and land in the middle of their waterbed, which would basically cause a tidal wave. So if you were sleeping on the edge of the waterbed, you might just get bucked off whenever I ran into my parents' room. But once I finally made it to my parents' room and I was safe in the middle of all the people that were trying to squish into that bed, I remember I would always look up and my parents had a ceiling fan and the room was dark, but there was always some light that was coming through the windows and whatnot. And I was able to see the ceiling fan, but I was also looking at something else and it was looking back at me. And what I'm about to tell you is not from the shape of the ceiling fan or the light on the fan. I wasn't making stuff up in my mind. I could see a face looking back at me and it was glowing and it, it, it was faintly glowing. And what the face looked like, the best way that I can describe it as, is a praying mantis. And that face would just stare at me and I would stare back at it. And I do remember seeing some, maybe some clothing kind of rippling around the face, but really what I would look at is the eyes of this thing. And it would be floating about two feet in front of the ceiling fan. So maybe about four or five feet above my face as I lay in the bed. And it would, we would just stare at each other and I would do that until I fell asleep, basically. Now that would happen probably in between the time that I was five and six and it happened every single night that I went to my parents' bed without fail. I would stare at that face until I fell asleep and it wasn't really scary. It, it was just something that I was used to and uh, that's just how it was. But it wasn't until years later 
that I realized that that face might actually be connected to Skunk Woman. And let me explain how. Years later, I overheard my dad talking with my uncle about a story of something that happened late one night. It wasn't late, but one night after church. And I remember that story because I was in the car with them. So what happened was we were driving home after church one night and I remember being in the back seat, just kind of staring out the window, looking into the night, not really seeing anything, just staring off. And suddenly the car jerked and we clearly hit something. We ran over something. There was a bump. And my uncle said, oh, we just hit a skunk. And I heard my dad say, well, I hope that doesn't follow us home. And of course, he was talking about the smell of the skunk. He didn't want that to stay on the car. But in my mind, I remember very clearly picturing a skeleton chasing after our car and an angry skeleton at that. I remember staring out the window and just wondering when I'm going to see the face of this angry skeleton that we happened to slam into with our car, which we never saw a skeleton, of course. But I remember listening to my dad tell that story and just everything coming back to me at once. And in fact, that's one of my first memories. I was really young when that happened, but I remember having that fear of seeing a skeleton catch up with our car and look at me through the window. And it's the fear that I felt then that really made the memory stick with me. Now, at this point, you may be wondering, what does that have to do with Skunk Woman? Well, I'm gonna tell you. So you gotta remember, I, I again, did not have cable. And all the imagery that I had pertaining to skeletons at that time was basically from the cartoon with the dancing skeletons. I believe it was like a 1930s cartoon that Disney produced. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure you can find it on the internet. But it's basically this silly little cartoon of these skeletons that are dancing in the graveyard. And that's what I thought a skeleton was. So really what a skeleton was to me was something that was tall and gangly and skinny and had big black eyes. And you know what else has those same features? A praying mantis. And the face that I would see in the ceiling, I may not have mentioned this before, but it was praying mantis looking, but it had big black eyes. And that's mainly what I focused on. I don't remember any antenna or anything like that. Just the face, the shape of a praying mantis and those big black eyes. And I would basically get lost in those eyes until I fell asleep. So coming back to this all these years later, I have to wonder to myself, is that what I was seeing at night when I was two years old? Was it not a skunk woman, but instead a skeleton woman? And what I meant by skeleton was a praying mantis woman. Now, that may not be it at all. That might be a giant leap that I'm taking all these years later, but it is what it is. I mean, the whole skunk woman subject is kind of a mystery. And this is just me years later trying to bring some closure to that mystery. But that is only the first story that I'm going to tell you tonight. This next story is a lot darker and actually had a much bigger effect on me really up into my life even today. So that first story was kind of a fun story. It was something that I grew up with my friends kind of enjoying just the fact that I had been visited by something called a skunk woman. And while it might have sparked my interest in the paranormal, it's nothing like this next story that I'm going to tell you. This next story is what really drove me to get answers and kind of created an obsession in my adult life with figuring out what's really going on here. So yeah, let's go ahead and get into that story. 
So my second story took place when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. I think I was in fifth grade at the time. Now, this is years after my first encounter with Skunk Woman, and I hadn't seen the praying mantis since I was like six or so probably. So at this point, I'm just your typical 90s kid. I mean, I'm spending most of the day exploring the woods behind our house with my friends or else playing the Sega channel inside, which was uh, way ahead of its time. Shout out to anyone who remembers the Sega channel. But I really wasn't interested in anything paranormal. That was actually kind of the last thing on my mind. I mean, sure, me and my friends would put up a tent on uh, a lot of summer nights and stay up all night trying to freak each other out with ghost stories, but that was about it. So at this point, I was sharing a room with my younger brother, and what we had was, our setup was, we had a red bunk bed, and I slept on top, and we wouldn't be caught dead running to my parents' room anymore. Uh, Yeah, we were much older now, and we were cool. So we thought, I mean, we had gel in our hair and we styled it like a backstreet boy. So we were doing just fine. And we preferred to sleep with the light off like all the big kids did back then. Well, one night I woke up and for some reason I was wide awake. And I remember staring up at the ceiling and just having a really great feeling about life. For some reason, I was feeling great. I was wide awake and I could see the ceiling in the darkness my eyes had adjusted so I remember just staring up towards the ceiling which was really only about five feet away because you know I was on top of the bunk bed and I just started praying to God and I was basically thanking God for everything in my life and just really grateful for how blessed I was I had a loving family my life had gone great Um, I really had nothing to complain about And I don't know why I felt so grateful and at peace with the world, but that's how it was. I just woke up in a great mood, not tired at all. Well, after a little bit, the atmosphere in the room sort of shifted. And I can't really explain how, but it's almost like when somebody enters the room at night or maybe your cat enters the room at night and you don't necessarily hear them, but you can feel that they're there. Something changes in the air. It was kind of like that. Well, Whatever that was, it made me sit up and I looked around to examine the room, basically. Now, in our room, we had a window and outside of that window was a street light and it was in our backyard. It wasn't like on the street, but it was just in our backyard where the power lines ran. And that light would shine in through our window and it wasn't bright, but it was just bright enough so that I could easily make out everything in our room, even in the dark. There wasn't anything that, uh, any way that I was mistaking what I was seeing is what I'm trying to get at. So I basically sit up to scan the room. And what I saw by our door was my older brother. And it was a little bit confusing. I, was, I wasn't sure how he was in the room and how I didn't hear him open the door to come into our room. So that was a little bit surprising. But What's more was he was actually just standing so still, just stark still, not moving at all, which didn't seem natural. It was a little bit eerie to look at. But of course, I'm still just thinking this is my older brother. It was about his height. It wasn't my younger brother who was in the room with me below me because it was too tall. So I just figured this has to be my older brother and he must be sleepwalking. That's the first thing that came in my head was he must be sleepwalking because he's not doing anything but staring forward and not moving. But there was also something else that was kind of odd. 
I was trying to make out his eyes from where I was on the bed and I could not see his eyes at all. I couldn't make out any facial features on him, which was weird because the room was illuminated enough to where I should have at least been able to kind of make out whether his eyes were open or closed. But instead, it was just darkness where his eyes should have been, which was a little bit eerie, I guess is the best word. I wasn't scared yet, but it was just eerie. And I basically sat there looking at him, looking for any sign of movement for what must have been, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds. And he didn't move at all. There was no movement at all. I could not have done that. I couldn't have held that still for even two seconds. It, it, it almost reminded me of if you've, if you've ever seen a deer freeze, how still they can be. It was kind of something like that. It's, it's just a little bit unnatural for a human to be able to pull off. But I mean, he was doing it. So I'm sitting there watching him. And after a little bit, I decide that I'm going to go ahead and whisper his name. And I'm going to take a chance because back in the 90s, we were always told that if you wake up somebody that's sleepwalking, they're going to be crazy for the rest of their life. But, you know, I was freaking out a little bit and I thought, I'm going to go ahead and say his name. So I whispered his name and nothing, nothing happened. It just continued to stare forward. And I whispered his name again. And again, nothing happened. And it got to the point that the longer that nothing happened, the more uneasy I became. So that feeling that I described before of peace and gratitude, that was fading pretty quickly at this point. And I think as a way to react against that, react to the fact that I am actually starting to get scared, I decided that my older brother wasn't sleepwalking, but was in fact playing a trick on me. And I was not going to be duped. So I promptly said that. I said, said his name and I said, you're not going to trick me. I know you're trying to scare me right now and I'm not going to be scared. And as soon as I said that, it moved. So what happened was it started moving forward towards the window. And this is interesting because the light that was coming through the window reflected off of an entertainment system that we had in our room. And the entertainment system had some glass walls on it. And the light was reflecting off those glass walls. And as the figure moved, it moved in front of that reflection and blocked out the light. So this was someone solid in my room. Still, I was convinced that it was my brother. And it moved towards the window. And in my mind, I'm thinking the closer it gets to the window, I'll be able to see whether he's actually awake or asleep, if his eyes are opened or closed. But the weird thing was that it moved over towards the window And I still could not make out anything on it. I couldn't make out any clothing. I couldn't make out any facial features, nothing. And it passed by the window and ended up circling around by the bunk bed. So it passed me at maybe two or three feet away. And I'm squinting in the dark, trying to see my brother's eyes and still nothing. It's just darkness. It's just pitch black. And it continues on until it gets right back in the spot that it, that it was originally at near the door and continues on again. So it's doing this little circle in my room and it does it maybe two or three times. And every single time as it passes by the window and as it passes by my bed, I'm looking to see if he's awake or if he's asleep. So finally, after it did its little circle, maybe three times, um, on the fourth time, 
I'll say. As it passed by me, I said my brother's name again, and I just whispered it. And this time, the figure stopped. So it stopped, and it was about two feet, maybe a foot and a half away from the railings on my bed. And it turned, and it faced me. And still, somehow, I convinced myself that this is my brother. And so what I did was I gathered my courage, basically, and got close to the edge of the bed, put my hands on the railing, and leaned out until I was five or six inches away from what I thought was my brother's face. Now, when I did that, two things happened, and they happened basically at the same time. The first thing that happened was I realized this is not my brother. I was six inches away from its face, and I could see nothing but pitch black darkness. And when I say dark, I mean velvet dark, like darker than anything else that you can imagine, just a black hole of a face, basically. And what also happened is a little bit difficult to describe, but this thing, whatever it was, made a mental connection, a mind link with my mind, and all at once I was able to feel how it felt, and more so what it felt towards me. And what I felt was an overwhelming sense of menace and hatred especially towards me. And it was coming towards me in waves and hitting me in waves, basically. And I could feel that it hated me and it wanted me dead. And all at once, I jumped back and threw myself against the far wall, putting my feet up on the railing, basically, and shoving the bed. So the bed started shaking and I'm screaming. Um, I'm, I'm audibly screaming at this point. And Whatever that thing did to link our minds, I couldn't get rid of it by placing distance between us. So here I am, I'm as far away from it as I can get, kicking and screaming, and I can still feel that thing in my mind. And it's indescribable, the, the feeling that I had. It, it almost seemed as if it was pumping me with fear. And that amount of fear is it was overwhelming. It was incredible that I could feel that much fear and not die. I felt like I was going to die from the fright. That's how intense it was. And it was extremely intense. It was unnaturally intense, I would say. And at the same time, while all this is happening, I can feel that it was taking pleasure from my fear. And more than that, it seemed as if it was feeding off of my fear, as if my fear was providing it energy in some way as if there was an exchange going on. So it pumps me full of dread and my fear response is then something that it can feed on. And like I said, our minds were kind of connected so I could feel that it had that intention and I could feel its pleasure. And it was just, it was like being dunked in cold water, the coldest water ever. It was so uncomfortable. Well, Anyways, I'm kicking and I'm screaming and my brother wakes up, of course, and he's kind of moving around on the bed saying, what's happening? What's happening below me? And I could just, all I could get out was go turn on the light. I just needed him to go turn on the light. So I felt him kind of move in the bed and jump off the bed. And it wasn't long before the light came on. And I have to say that when he was moving in the bed, I did have a fear that this thing might grab him. 
but it didn't move. It just continued to stare directly at me and pump those waves of dread into me. And as soon as the light came on, everything stopped. So the figure was gone and the link that it had with my mind was gone. And I was still afraid, mind you, but I was not unnaturally afraid. That unnatural sense of dread that it had basically overwhelmed me with, that was gone. So I was still terrified, but I just can't express how awful it felt before it left. So even my normal state of fear, of intense fear, was so much better than what I was feeling only moments before. So needless to say, me and my brother did not sleep anymore that night. We had a very rough day the next day at school, but we left the light on and that was basically it. That was my second experience. And after that experience, I no longer could just dabble with the paranormal. Something like that happens to you. And at least me, I wanted answers, you know, I wanted to figure out what was going on. And this was about the same time that the internet was kind of taking off. So as the years went on, I'm still trying to deal with this, of course. Like, I'm, I'm still having issues. I can't sleep with the, with, in a completely dark room at night. And I had issues with that. I mean, going into my adult years, like, I did not feel comfortable in a pitch black dark room by myself. And I always had this fear of waking up and seeing that thing again. Well, spoiler alert, I did not see that thing again, thankfully. But I did end up getting pretty heavy in the research um, on the internet. And I ended up coming across some other stories that were very similar to mine. Of course, we've all heard of them, the shadow people. And what was weird, what really struck me though, was one story in particular. And I believe it was with a pastor, no less. But what happened was this preacher went to sleep on his couch one night and was awoken out of his sleep with a shadow person in the room. And he had an intense like sense of fear. But what happened next is what really struck me. The shadow being rushed to get right in front of his face, so six inches away from his face. And as soon as it did, he no longer was able to move and he felt the same mind link that I felt. So he felt the same sense of dread, the same sense of hatred, and he also felt like it was feeding off his fear. So what that told me was that this is something that is mechanical almost. I mean, this is something it, mechanical in the way that it's that there is a certain way that it is able to access your mind. And that way is it has to be close to you first. It's almost like Bluetooth where you put the devices together and they sync and then you can move them away from each other or whatever. But it seems to be the same way here. This thing will oftentimes get very close to its victim basically, do a mind link and then proceed to torture them until something intercedes, until something happens. And it's also the same way I noticed with alien abduction stories. So you'll hear a lot of stories where people will say that they're on the table and they're able to move and they're freaking out and they go to sit up. And then what happens? The alien jumps right in front of their face and puts its eyes inches away from their eyes. And when, when it does that, it creates a link to where it's able to either calm them down or give them a sense of fear or paralyze them 
or make them forget that anything ever happened. I mean, a lot of times the last thing that somebody remembers in an alien abduction story is eyes, their eyes being very close to them. And after that, it's amnesia. So there is something definitely going on here. And I absolutely love jumping into the paranormal. I love all of these stories, even though I had such a bad experience. Um, at this point in my life, I don't think I would change it because first of all, it told me that there's more out there and not everybody gets to have that assurance. There's a lot of people that are walking around that have never experienced anything like this. So in that regard, I'm lucky because at least I know that there is something else going on. There is a mystery to be solved. And I tell you what, I'm going to do my best to solve that mystery. So anyways, everyone, I guess that basically wraps up today's show. It is probably a little bit shorter than what you'll find in the future when I interview the guests. And I know that today's content is a little bit different from what we'll be providing in the future, but I really do hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you did enjoy the show, please consider following Firelight Vibes and maybe even sharing it with others. Shout it from the rooftops. I will not complain. Also, one more thing that you could do is to leave a review for the show. I am told that that's one of the best ways to incentivize the algorithm, the podcast algorithm, to put our show in front of more eyeballs, basically. Also, if you've had a supernatural experience and would like to let me know, shoot me an email. You can find me at firelightvibes at gmail.com. And I know for a lot of people, this stuff is just entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with that. These are very entertaining stories. But remember, there are also a lot of people out there, like myself, who really benefit from knowing that other people have experienced some odd things too. So get the news out there. There's a new podcast in town and I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining me and you have been listening to Firelight Vibes. Firelight Vibes.